my message title today is Emptied Out. Let me ask you a question. Who or what are you living for today? What's the driving motivation for the decisions you make? Where is your focus in daily life choices? Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. This is a command from the living Word of God. And because it's a command, you can bet that your flesh will not want to obey it naturally. Our flesh does not want to do everything, do nothing out of selfishness. Yet we are commanded to do nothing from a motivation of selfishness. Nothing's a very strong word, but that's exactly what's stated here, to do nothing out of selfishness. In other words, we need to trust that as we take care of others, as we're commanded to do so, that God will take care of us. So although this sound starts off sounding like a virtue of not being selfish, the foundation of this command is to live by faith. Trusting that God will take care of you if you take care of others. This, in fact, is how the body of Christ works. This is how it was designed to function. Each member is to take care of the others and continue to be a conduit of love. A conduit of support and grace and compassion to flow through us to one another. However, we know all too well that this is not the reality in life. Why not? Because too often we buy into the lie of the devil that if we don't take care of ourselves, then nobody will. And as soon as a challenge comes in, instead of trusting God and trusting our brothers and sisters in Christ, we allow our fleshly nature to step into the driver's seat. We're tempted to have a me-first attitude. Much like the attitude in our country right now that states that we'll take care of ourselves first. And then if there's something left over, then we'll help others. This goes against the very principle taught here in Philippians. In fact, it goes against Christianity in general. Just think if Jesus would have had a me-first mentality. He wouldn't have left the perfection of heaven to come live down here on earth in a world that's full of sin and violence and greed and selfishness and envy and pride. If he had a me-first mentality, he wouldn't have continued to put up with people who denied him and doubted him and failed to listen to him. He wouldn't have allowed himself to be arrested and tortured and tried without ever fighting back. He certainly wouldn't have stayed on the cross until he died if he had a me-first attitude. So if we call ourselves Christians and take on the name of Christ, how can we do anything less? How can we not be selfless? How can we not think of others first? 
How can we desire to be less than Christ? How can we not desire to be anything less than Christ than what He's called us to be? If there's one thing that we do that defines our authenticity in the body of Christ, it has to be if we are truly looking out for the needs of others. And if we truly consider one another more important than ourselves. Now, my wife and I lead very busy, crazy, crazy lives. Right, Nancy? And we often think, oh, we're so tired. We just do so much. And we, when, when is that time of rest coming? And when is that? And I think, it's never going to come. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're always looking to how, how can we help others and how, what can we do for them. And again, you know, I always think, when, when do we have some time for ourselves? And we do little things here and there. But if we're always serving one another, I remember when we first got married, someone told us your goal in marriage should be to always try to outserve the other person. Then you're always meeting one another's needs, and that's what the body of Christ is to meet one another's needs. That's how the body of Christ is meant to function. To put others' needs above your own. And yes, you take time for yourself. But you don't check out a life and take all the time for yourself and don't help others. And because of fear and other things in the world, that's happening all over the place. And that's not what God has called us to do. The Scripture began by saying, do nothing out of selfishness. Jesus did not have a me-first mentality. And yet, out of insecurity, we often think of ourselves first. We just do. Out of pride, we hold on to traditions stronger than doing the right thing that will strengthen the body. Well, we've always done it this way to tradition, but it's not helping people right now. Out of insecurity, we hold on to unforgiveness instead of working through problems and restoring relationships. How many know if you have a marriage, it doesn't just happen naturally. It takes a lot of hard work. If you have kids, they don't just grow up perfect. It takes a lot of hard work. If you have a friendship, it doesn't just continue on naturally. You have to work at it and spend time with one another. And when you have problems that come up, you have to face conflict in a God-glorifying way to find a resolution. Those things don't just happen naturally. You can't just ignore things. It takes effort. Out of fear, we tell people what they want to hear instead of telling them what they need to hear to respond to conviction that they might repent and turn to Jesus as the only one who can save them. We do all these other things that keep us from being in other people's lives to helping them. But what do we do out of love? We need only to look to Jesus to see that everything that Jesus did was out of selfless love. In fact, this is why we are given this command. So that we can understand how to walk in the perfect and selfless love that Jesus displayed when He came to earth and gave His life as a ransom for each and every one of us who has received Him. Philippians 2.5 Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Being a Christian does not mean that we simply go to church or talk the church talk. It means that we have the same attitude which was also in Christ Jesus when He walked this earth amongst us. 
And yet, even though we have talked about His sacrifice hundreds if not thousands of times, we still fail to see and fully understand the depth that Jesus went to in order to demonstrate God's perfect love for us, that we might share this same love with others. Therefore, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he gives a stunning example of what Jesus did to love us. Look at verse 6. Who, as He already existed in the form of God, speaking of Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Now maybe you don't understand what this means, so I'm going to tell you. Jesus is God. Amen? He is one of the expressions of God, along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John that Jesus was with God in the beginning and all things that were made were made through Him. In other words, Jesus is God, which means He is perfect. He always has been perfect. He always will be perfect. But not only that, He lived in heaven before He came to earth. He lived in heaven where it was absolutely perfect. Therefore, Jesus had to leave the perfect peace, the perfect love, the perfect presence of heaven to come to earth to redeem us. He didn't send a messenger. He took care of business in person. But not only that, He believed that the only way to connect with us the only way that we would receive Him, the only way that we would believe that it was possible to live this life as a Christian was if Jesus Himself became a man. Jesus would have to grow old like we do. He would have to be hurt emotionally like us. He would have to experience rejection and grief and persecution and unfair trials. He would have to be part of a family and have problems with his family and friends like all of us do. He would have to experience times where people misunderstood him, where they judged him falsely, where people didn't trust him and walked away from him. He would have to have physical limitations. He would have to be tempted in all ways that we were. He would have to bleed. He would have to die. This is the only way that people could grasp that it was actually a sacrifice that Jesus made. He didn't just come to earth and open the door for us and say, this is the way. He came to earth and He became the door for us. He did this by dying for us through His sacrificial death, that we would be able to come to the Father. But how did Jesus do all of that? Paul tells us in the next verse, Philippians 2, verse 7, He emptied Himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. Jesus had to empty Himself to take on human form. In heaven, He knew no limitation. He was never hurt or bled or 
didn't have any, but he had to empty himself of that to take on the form of a man. He had to allow himself to have limitations on the earth. Do you understand that when he was nailed to the cross, that was the first time he could not move. He could move for everyone all over the universe, and that like, we nailed them and said, we can't move. He had to empty himself of all that power to oversee all those things. If he hadn't emptied himself, he wouldn't be able to bleed. And it was only by his blood that we are healed. But he also had to allow himself, listen to this, he had to allow himself to be denied by Peter, to be betrayed by Judas, to be arrested by the court guard, to be mocked by the soldiers, to be doubted by Thomas, and to be rejected by the very people he came to save. And he had to do all of these things by not fighting back, by not complaining, by not arguing about how unfair it was, and by not seeking to have a me-first mentality in all of this. The only way that he could complete the perfect will of God was to truly think of others first. To truly understand that all the physical pain and all the emotional grief that he endured was worth it, that we might be saved and redeemed. He could not be me first. Thank God that he was us first. The only way that Jesus could go through with it was to empty himself so that he could truly be one of us. Only then could we grasp not only what He did, but hopefully believe that we could live this life as a redeemed follower of Christ and to do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit. This is our Jesus. This is who we claim to follow. And if we follow Him, then we must walk like Him. Submit to God like Him. Resist temptation like Him. And immediately turn to God for strength and consolation and help and understanding every single time. No, we're not going to be perfect. But we follow the One who is. He just says, walk like Me. Do nothing out of selfishness. How is that possible? It's all about humility and obedience as we empty ourselves as well. Philippians 2, verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Death on a cross. It takes humility to be obedient to God. For the fact is that all of us are obedient to someone or something. Because of our sinful nature, because of our lack of faith, because of our unwillingness to persevere, we are often more obedient to our own fleshly nature, to our own desires, than to God Himself. Our flesh tells us to take care of ourselves first. To make sure that we are comfortable first to make sure that our pride is not hurt, that our feelings are not overlooked, that our desires are not ignored. 
But obedience to God and His will means that we can't be led by our pride. We have to be led by humility and fully believing that God's will is more important than our comfort and more important than our definition of what we think we deserve. The truth is, God's Word has made it very clear what we deserve. Do you know what we deserve? It's in Romans 6.23. It says the wages of sin is death. When you get a job and your wages are what you deserve, well, the wages of sin is death. This is what we deserve. Death. Sin is not just us giving in to temptation to meet our needs. Sin is our outright conscious decision to disobey God. Our disobedience is sin. Because God cannot have any sin in His presence. He has no choice but to destroy sin when it comes into His presence. But because He loved us so much, because He did nothing out of selfishness, because He loved us so much, He sent Jesus to us to fulfill the law perfectly for us, to live a perfect life for us, so that He could be the perfect sacrifice for us to pay the penalty for our sins so we did not have to. And if we understand the sacrifice that He made when He emptied Himself for us so that He could redeem us, then put His righteousness on us, then we can come into God's presence for eternity. Not because of anything we've done, but because of His selfless love for us. This is a sacrifice that He made for us. And this is what He asks us to do if we truly desire to follow after Him in the way that He has commanded us to follow. We need to ask Jesus to help us empty ourselves so that we can love without demanding reciprocity. So that we can serve without expecting any recognition. So that we can speak the truth with conviction and boldness. So that we can forgive without conditions. So that we can walk like the way He walked. Putting the needs of others above ourselves. This is whom we are called to follow. If you've been walking in any other way, then regardless of what you've told yourself, you are not following Jesus. If you have armed yourself with a me-first mentality, then you are not following Jesus. If you have been unwilling to humble yourself, unwilling to admit that you're wrong and in need of Jesus, unwilling to repent, then regardless of what you think you are doing, you are not following Jesus. The only way that we can arm ourselves with the same attitude that is in Jesus is if we are willing to empty ourselves. We must empty ourselves of pride and of our need to be right, of our fear of being vulnerable before God, of our doubts, of our insecurities, and we all have them and of any preconceived notion that we have to put ourselves first before others. The Jesus we serve, the Jesus we know, 
the Jesus we follow gave his life to demonstrate a complete selfless example that seeks God's will above all else. And God's will is that we put the needs of others first and believe by faith that when we do so, God will take care of us. Thank God that He sent Jesus to be this perfect example in which He emptied Himself so that we could fully receive His sacrifice of love. Philippians 2, verse 9. For this reason, also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name. Due to Christ's obedience, God has exalted Jesus. Although He emptied Himself while on this earth, He has been now filled with God's glory. For God has highly exalted Him. Jesus no longer has limitations. He has no earthly constraints. He sits on the throne on high for God's glory and has been given the name above every name. His name is above pride. His name is above rejection. It's above fear. It's above doubt. It's above disease. It's above despair. It's above every dart the enemy tries to throw you and tries to bring you down. His name is above that. His name is above every name that seeks a me-first approach to life. His name declares that God is first and that He is paramount and that He is our foundation and He is our life. Why? Because when Jesus was on that cross, He wasn't worried about Himself. Above all things, you were on His mind. Jesus has been given the name above every name. Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Though there are many who reject Him now, many who deny His existence and His power now, many who pervert the truth of the Word of God now, many who persecute the body of Christ now, one day every knee will bow. One day, every tongue will have no choice but to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But listen to this. Only those who make this proclamation on this side of heaven, only those who repent and turn to Jesus here on earth, only those who follow Him in the way He commands us to follow Him, only those who don't just see Him as their Savior, but see Him and know Him as their Lord. Only they will live in the perfection of heaven with Him forever. Satan, the demons, they all will have to confess that He is Lord, but they have a different destination. He calls us to know Him now, to be forgiven now, to be cleansed and be redeemed and repurposed and restored now. That's the gift that we have that's the good news that we share, that no matter what I've done in this life, no matter how bad or how evil or how sinful I am, God can redeem me, and He will 
if we turn to Him now, if we empty ourselves of our pride and our fear and our doubt and be filled by the, with the glory of God by receiving Jesus Christ. Therefore, we turn to God right now. Heavenly Father, we repent for not following You in the way that You have called us to do. We repent for having a me-first attitude when we justify why we deserve to obey sin and temptation instead of obeying You. We repent for not being humble to the point of obedience to You, for seeking comfort in our lives instead of allowing the fleshly nature to die in order to follow Your will for our lives. We repent for not putting the needs of others first in our lives and trusting that You will take care of us. Heavenly Father, we ask You to forgive us, to redeem us, to restore us, and to transform us by the renewing of our minds with Your Word that we might do nothing out of selfishness and empty conceit. Let us live like Christ and continually place the needs of others above ourselves. There are people all over this world that just need to be cared for. They don't need to be judged. No one is judged into the kingdom. They're loved into the kingdom. We need to be a reflection of Jesus in this world. Let us empty ourselves so that we can be filled with the Spirit to be His light in this world, pointing people to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your selfless sacrifice to empty Yourself that we would come to You. We thank You for forgiving us and healing us and restoring us and then sending us forth in Your light to be Your hope in this world. Thank you to bless us as we reflect on the truth of this word today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.